I never know what I'm going to do. I never know what my fellow players are going to do. It's the thrill of living on the edge almost and then finding out like, holy smokes, we came up with something so funny, so off the cuff that other people are gonna come up to us and say, "Did wait a second, is this scripted? Welcome to an episode of the Interesting People Podcast. Today, I'm joined by members of O-Crit. I have Matt Harris, DM, OG adventurer, and player, and Noel, one of the original adventurers as well. How are you guys doing? doing? Doing great. Doing very good, yeah. Fantastic. So, Matt, I, I want to start with you. You have DM on your license here. For people that aren't familiar with the term DM, I feel like we need to kind of pump the brakes before we <laughs> even talk and just get a couple bits of terminology out of the way. So, what is a DM and how does it fit into O-Crit? I am a dumb Dungeon Master. And for Ocrit, it's sort of a master of ceremonies, omniscient narrator, controller of fate, so to speak, for both the game Dungeons and Dragons and then for our show, Ocrit, as well. We are a DD improv show. It's long form improv, all with the stylings of Dungeons and Dragons. As a dungeon master, I'm rolling dice and terminating roles and introducing challenges and obstacles and locations for our players to experience and overcome. And Noel, you're one of the first adventurers. So you've been here, have you been with the group since early on, one of the first adventurers? Right, yes. Since the group got together, I think Matt was there too, actually. Yeah. The first person in Ocrit that uh, I met was Noel. I we were that. looking for the room that it was meeting in and it's like is this the place for the D&D thing? I just saw somebody sitting down looking a little bit lost like I was like do you do you know where we're going? No. I there's so many rooms back here. So how do you get pitched on that? How did you hear about it at first? I had found out maybe an hour beforehand. I was in FCC's improv troops, the Sausage Squad. They're just in communication with a lot of people at the Maryland Ensemble Theater. And somebody had mentioned that there was going to be sort of this open call sort of thing. And I woke up, looked at Facebook, and I was like, oh, crap, that's in an hour. Let's go. Do you have a background with D&D and improv? Like, what, what's the secret sauce of this? Are you drama who got into D&D or D&D that got into drama? How does that work? I've always loved role-playing games, and I think they tend to go hand-in-hand theater and role-playing games specifically because you get to be another creature, you get to be in another world. I think being part of improv at FCC really is what got me interested in this particular project. Otherwise, they would have been not connected at all. And same for you. Did you have a background in D&D? Is this your first improv thing? This is my first improv thing, but I have a more performance background. I went to college and got involved in theater and from there got involved in role-playing games. I had done a show at the Ensemble Theater, Peter and the Starcatcher, and just had been Facebook friends with some people who were involved in the different improv groups and saw it on my Facebook feed, and I'm like, oh, I want to kind of go to this, and we'll see if maybe they'll need somebody like me. And really got excited from that first meeting. And then before our first rehearsal to try to form what the show is, I went out of town to do a play. And then when I came back, jumped into rehearsals. And by that time, like the bones of the show were there. And I was really excited to see what the rest of the group had put together in that just even couple of weeks. So one of the reasons we're mentioning this is you guys are the opener for this year's Boys and Girls Club Comedy Night. That's March 9th at 7 p.m. So you guys are the opening act. So what can people expect from that? What's the improv part of this experience like? So 99% is going to be made up. So what's not going to be made up is we're going to have a fantasy race and class that's going to be chosen by the audience, like an orc fighter or halfling 
or a dragon person whose kind of job in life is to be a bard or a monk or some other classic D&D style fantasy archetype. And the audience is going to get to choose that person. And then that person basically is going to launch into a monologue or a scene. And from then on, we're going to improvise the rest of our time. So it's going to be a full adventure following that person. The improv part of it is everything. We're going to make everything up on the spot. So if Noel is a halfling barbarian, they may jump into a monologue. And then as dungeon master, I would jump in and say, well, meanwhile, on the other side of the kingdom, a dark evil wizard sits upon his throne. And then two of our players, we've not talked about this, two, two more of our players may jump out and then be that dark evil wizard. Or I'll take the character that Noel has created and continue their story down the path. Or sometimes just from that monologue, we just jump into a scene right there. Is it more fun to be the monologuer or one of the people that's like, ha ha, I'm here? They're both so fun. With being the lead adventurer, you know, it's all about your character. You have the most chance to really develop the character, to give them a background story and little nuances and their habits and build characters with other we usually have like a sidekick that ends up being or there's like a B plot or something like that that happens and you get to really see these characters build relationships with each other and that kind of elicits an aww reaction out of the audience, which is great. But I also love to be one of the backup line who is just there for support because I get to be as many silly characters as possible. I might be like a little kid that's just there to have fun or I might be somebody that, that's like to try to intimidate somebody. And it's so fun because I never have to be one person at any given time. Is that part of the appeal for you where it's like every couple of minutes you're a completely different character and you can really stretch and see how far you can go? Yeah, absolutely. I just... I never know what I'm going to do. I never know what my fellow players are going to do. It's the thrill of living on the edge almost and then finding out like, holy smokes, we came up with something so funny, so off the cuff that other people are going to come up to us and say, "Did wait a second, is this scripted? <laughs> We've gotten that a few times. When my girlfriend first saw it, she's like, well, you've worked on that part before. And like friends of hers are like, yeah, but you've rehearsed like that idea or that character. And, and, and no, we just, even our rehearsals, we just make it up. You know, we make it up and, and see where it takes us. So the rehearsal is more functioning about, like, the getting the structure of it down, getting used to, like, doing that bits and pieces? Or? Uh, really, our, our group mind, is, uh, so to speak, so that we know where each other's instincts are and where we're going. It's more of a practice than a rehearsal. We are practicing these skills, trying to get each other's timings down and work on our own character building. And we're all trying to push each other further if we notice that somebody's kind of leaning towards a certain type of character every show. Well, you know what? This time I'm going to push you up front and I'm going to make you the lead and you're going to be strong this time. We practice on those things, but none of it's like rehearsed. None of it is, all right, that was a great one. We're going to put that in our pocket for our show next time. When I've played Dungeons & Dragons in the past, in a lot of like Dungeons & Dragons media that's cropped up over the years, a big part of that is like people's connection to their character. Mm -hmm. So if you had like a character that you've improved out of the ether that you've wanted to keep or use again, or is it kind of a bummer saying bye? Uh, the yes, <laughs> the answer to all that. Like there are characters, it's like, oh yeah, I want to, want to see that character again, and then they're to some extent they're gone. They're off in the ether. It's a live performance, and it's never gonna happen again. But there are sometimes subtle ways we've brought some characters back. One of our members, Rob, has done at least two shows. Has ended up we've had to cross a river or a gorge, and he's been a uh, basically a bridge salesman <laughs> who tells you that the bridge isn't there yet. It's you know ten miles down. 
but that's happened a couple times and we've made some wanted posters and various things and advertisements. One of the first shows I was a character, I was a crazy Balrog who operated Crazy Balrog's Pots and Pans Emporium. <laughs> so we have a little ad that we'll put up. Uh, it'll just be kind of around in the space, almost an Easter egg. But yeah, it is kind of sad to see some of these characters just to not explore that next step of that character. But that's one of the things that makes us a little different than kind of the popular shows going on right now that are following characters. Ours, it's a new show every time. If you miss the last one, there's not a story to catch up because it's a completely brand new story every time. Are there any characters that you've had, uh, Noelle, that you remember or have had fun with or anything that you'd like to bring back? Just so many characters. It's, it's really hard to think of one specific one. There is a character that we have... For- in a lot of our shows, but he doesn't perform with us. He opens up for us. He's the wizard. He started out in some promotional videos, I think, for us, and he just comes out and introduces what Dungeons and Dragons is, a little bit of improv. He and our dungeon master, whoever that might be that night, get a little bit of audience participation. So I like that we do have that recurring character, you know, the crazy wizard will be here tonight sort of thing. <laughs> That's something that even for the people who have seen it before, they can come and be like, oh, a familiar face. I'm not alone. It's been around since 2017. <laughs> Is it a similar group? Have you guys had a lot of turnover or changes? We've had three of our original members left the group for a variety of reasons. And then we had auditions and brought in three new members. And so we're at 10. Mm-hmm. What's an audition like for O'Crit? We talked about a lot of different ways how that audition would go. And mostly we were just seeing how the people's improv skills were, putting them in different situations, putting them with different people, both the other auditioners and current members, and just seeing where that comes from. And we had some really great people and some great people that we ended up not taking who was really in- Fortunately, we just only have so much room for so many people. But the people we ended up with, they kind of had the best chemistry with the people already in the group, plus some of the most creative, impulsive, spur-of-the-moment improvisations. So doing this, that takes a big chunk of your time. Do you actually make time for tabletop games? Do you still sit down and roll dice? We do, and we try to play as a group. We're a couple months behind. Yeah. Uh, when we don't play as much as I think we would like. I play. don't really have much chance to play D&D lately, but my girlfriend and I play a lot of Descent. So getting the monster-killing aspect of it and the... <laughs> pushing some uh, figurines around the map. But yeah, we, we've done a couple of game nights, one shots with each other. And, you know, we've talked about, can we make the schedules work? And oh. can we do the get everything together and like do a game and maybe, you know, stream it or. But that's still kind of in the future and making schedules work and stuff. Right. It's tough <laughs> because we already figured out the one best day that works out for all of us. And that's the day that we have our practice. So it's do we want to sacrifice working on our show to play this game or do we want to try to find another day? Most of us, I find, have another group that we play with. I have a work group that I play with once every couple weeks. Which game do you guys play? We play the 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, yeah. So the one exception to that is our director and co-founder, Cal, who has never played D&D before and has no experience with role-playing games. After two years, has he refused? No, part of it, we were like, well, we need to just record us teaching Cal how to play. And teaching him how some of these things work. And even we need to go back to like older editions and do like Thacko 
and yeah. see his mind just kind of melt oh. when trying to explain I things disagree. like that. I think we should keep him in the dark as long <laughs> as possible because sometimes the things that he says are just so funny. He'll get like little races wrong and a druid versus a dryad and that doesn't that's not funny to anybody. Oh no, that's <laughs> no one else. <laughs> but, <laughs> no. but he'll come in very confident like and that's a druid and it's like oh. Right, he has the confidence of an improviser. So oh, he comes good. in and he throws himself 110% into it. And if I didn't know the difference, I would follow that story, but just because I know. Cal is our director, and he's an improviser, and he and Jordan, our other founder, Jordan's a dungeon master and a D&D player, and they met at a mutual friend's party and started talking and just these two different backgrounds kind of coming together and that's came up with this idea how can this work and we started as a Met X show an experimental their experimental theater and are now part of the Met Comedy Night but all from a guy who has a lot of DM experience and D&D experience but no real practical improv training and then a guy who has a ton of improv training and just no experience not even D&D or role playing games but even like fantasy tropes and literature he knows who gandalf is and that's that's about it he's getting better he knows who hobbit with the hobbits are now so oh really yeah you can point at a hobbit and be like that's a hobbit yeah so how physical is the show for one of the players? You guys sitting at a table? You stand it up? Like, oh, what's it like? It's so physical. And depending on the show, depending on the characters that you are, you could be really, you have to be smart. You have to, when you're coming out as a character, don't pick somebody that's walking on all fours, you know, somebody who's hunched over the entire time. Sometimes the character calls for it. So that's what you are. Almost every, after every show, I've got bruises on my knees. Even when I don't remember kneeling or anything, I just, how did this happen? It's very physical. We, we really utilize the space. There are times where we're hanging from the rafters. We're getting on chairs. Sometimes we are the chairs or tables. We do like to come out as inanimate objects or animals or special effects. So if somebody's shooting a bow and arrow, somebody else might come out as that arrow while oh. it's being shot. Ah. If it's a magic arrow, for instance, it'll be like... To indicate, you know, magic arrow. So then the DM will be like, out comes this guy and his dog. Two people will come out and one of them will just be like, oh, I guess I'm the dog. Yeah. They they might just, it's the the phantom dog that, you know, you, right. you mime the dog. But usually someone will make the poor decision, poor but funny decision. <laughs> oh. Poor decision for themselves to be the dog and be on their hands and knees. And we forget that. We have little things like if somebody's a giant, we don't have to necessarily get them up on a chair. We just adjust our eyesight yeah. and our eye line. And, you know, if the players look up and he, the other person looks down. And we try to do that with, like, dwarves and halflings and gnomes and smaller character types as well. But usually we forget, and then somebody gets, you just forget how hard that floor is on your knees. And you get down there, it's like, oh, I got to do this for the rest of the play. And sometimes it's not even when you come out as a supporting character. I think one time I was the lead and I was a centaur. No, I was a lion. My apologies. I was a giant lion. I was very powerful, very strong. I had my companion that was with me who was very old and arthritic, <laughs> couldn't walk very well. She was the advisor of my dead father. And so I was just like, hop on my back. I'm a giant lion. And so I ended up carrying them over the stage several times before. So it's just like, that was tough. That was an hour-long show of being a lion. I can see the crowd kind of getting into the, the humor of someone having to carry another person. Yes. What are the best kind of crowd reactions for you? Is it like the belly laughs or the jokes or just trying to feed off of that energy? For me personally, I love it when I get a sincere like, oh. 
That's so nice because that's unexpected. A lot of times we're a little crude. Sometimes we're a little blue. We'll be doing very PG for this upcoming show, but it's nice when I can just look at my my counterpart and maybe hold their hand, rest my head on their shoulder, and the audience has a moment of, like, they didn't kill the cat. That's a humanizing moment where... I like this character for a reason. And Noel's very good at getting those emotional responses from the audience. One story, Noel was a paladin of a of a god who uh, was on the outs with the rest of his the god pantheon, and they fell in love and had a supportive relationship between the two, and it was a nice thing, and the audience had some legitimate awes. And that all happens in an hour. Yeah. So how does the time limit play into all this? You guys ever lost track of time? The DM's like, oh gosh, you guys all have the flu and you die. <laughs> yeah. <Kind of>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. A couple shows ago, we actually had one of those like, oh man, we gotta go. We're out of time. And depending on some of the other venues we've played at, some of them have a very hard, like, mm-hmm. we gotta get out of here. They're gonna, they're gonna call the cops and shut the lights out. Yeah. Not in that order. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> But then sometimes we can kind of stretch, but you don't want to overstay your welcome and you don't want to get too indulgent either. So, you know, we try to keep an eye and we try to bring things to a natural close. More often than not, they do come to that moment mm-hmm. uh, where it's like, okay, that's that's the moment right there. Do you guys try to build in a MacGuffin to make sure that you kind of have a punch up point where like, we're trying to get this ring. And then at any moment, you're like, hey, you found the ring. Sometimes it's happened on a few times, but more often than not, we've actually tried to get away from using any sort of MacGuffin or having something that the quest has to be about because then the quest is about that thing versus whatever it's going to be about that we find as we're making this story up. But we certainly have had that. And suddenly you've traveled a thousand miles. Fast forward to 10 days later, you know, things like that. That's where the DM really comes in and, and is a narrator that's able to like move the story on more quickly and pay attention to the time where we on the backup line might not be able to focus on the time. I'd say the one show we really had a real strong MacGuffin for, we actually did a wedding. Uh, We did our wedding reception. That one was a little more structured and a little more thought out in terms of what the scenes structure would have been because we didn't want to do something and ruin somebody's wedding. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that one definitely finding the ring and that one was a bit more of a MacGuffin. But we try to try to just see what the story is going to be about as the audience sees it. So for the Boys and Girls Club Comedy Night, have you already started thinking in the back of your head a way to kind of keep it a little bit more family friendly? Well, even when we rehearse and practice, we try to do keep it keep clean. it clean and do and even when we when we're not rarely does it become really I'd say most of our shows sit at a nice PG-13. And so we rehearse that way so that when there's no holds barred, we can go to that place. And when there are many holds barred, we cannot. We're pretty good about being able to hit that family friendly. Right. We feel the audience very well. Sometimes we're performing in bars and our most recent show was on Friday and it just happened to, per audience suggestions, be like very blue. But we Mm. don't often go nearly as far as we did. Yeah, a lot of it does depend on the audience. The audience can direct it and the audience can really take things in a, for (laughs) for our very first show, we did audience suggestion. We put out cards on the seats before the audience comes in. And there'll be various things like... Like, what's a New Year's resolution for an ailing wizard? Or what is a curse that you would give your roommate who ate your food? 
food. But for the very first show we did, what's a secret that you never told anyone? And people were confessing some like serious, like personal secrets. It's like, really? An improv show is where you're going to (laughs) confess this deep, dark secret. And so there was a lot of them that they're like, okay, this is unusable. This is unusable. This is unusable. (laughs) This one's just vulgar so we can use it. So it is surprising that the audience can really direct that. So we are expecting that the audience at the Boys and Girls Club to be responsible. (laughs) (laughs) So it's on them is what you're saying. Uh, Yeah. If they're listening, we'll be very responsible. Yeah. Functionally, I guess maybe I I need to make it a little more clear. The audience participation, is that throughout or just the start? Uh, There's a couple ways. We do part of it at the start where the audience gets to vote on who they want to see and gets to provide those suggestions of items or curses or things that may pop up throughout the show. And then there are another piece of audience interaction we call death balloons. And they're just latex balloons. And if you pop it during the show, a character on stage is going to die. It may not be the character you intend it to be. But a character on stage will die in the scene you're watching. And so that is a way for really the audience to control what's happening and change things up and throw a big curveball. Have you ever been death ballooned, Noelle? Yes. My favorite death balloon happening wasn't to me. It was actually somebody came out for his monologue, and before he's got two words out, an audience member popped a balloon. So we didn't even really begin the show yet, and he dies. And then somebody else runs out on stage and, Dad, no! And he comes back from the dead for, you know, one second. It's like, since you're everything exactly like me, you have all the same skills, just you have to avenge me by finishing my quest. <laughs> I raised you to be yeah. just, just like, like me. me. And Go just... off and do exactly what I would have done. This is the only reason I had you, to take my place in case this happened. <laughs> Strategically trucked down. Oh, that's too funny. So I'm looking forward to that. Are there any other things you think people need to know about Oh Crit to get excited about the Boys and Girls Club Comedy Night? It's a completely made-up adventure. We're doing about 35 minutes or so. So you're going to see a 35-minute completely improvised adventure right before your eyes. Are you worried a little bit about the shorter time limit, not having an hour, having 35 minutes? No, we call these side quests. Just like any sort of video game or whatever, you've got your main quest and that takes a little bit more time. But a side quest can be just as fulfilling and entertaining and sometimes even, you know, even a little bit better. So I think Boys and Girls Club, they're going to enjoy what we've got to offer. I think other people will enjoy it. So... I'm not worried about the time. If anything, it'll leave them wanting more and they can come see us. That's fantastic. So another double question. Ocrit, it's pretty young, all things considered. What are you excited about Ocrit? Like, where do you see it going in the future? Well, we perform at gaming conventions, which is very exciting. We did do that wedding, which was nice. I am looking forward to just expanding knowing the community more, doing more things in Baltimore, Virginia, outside of the Frederick area, just seeing where we go from there. And I I love working with my fellow performers, so just getting to know them better and hopefully playing more Dungeons and Dragons with them. Yeah, expanding to, we're, we're already have done a few shows, have some few relationships in Baltimore and expand into uh, throughout the area, maybe go on the road a little with the shows, go to some more conventions. We got one coming up in March at BFG Con and hopefully more after that. Keeping seeing where Met Comedy Night goes and we're part of that and more things and maybe even hopefully see if we can not just get together and play some more, but maybe even let the audience in to see what, not just us as an improv comedy show, but see us play as well. 
What's your dream character? Mine, I think, is definitely a bard. Of what kind of background character race? I- I'm good for a lot of things. I'm itching for the bard. A lot of our other uh, players don't want the bard. But no, I'm like, give me the bard. Give me the bard. I'm ready. I'm ready for the bard. It's my time to sing. Yeah. <laughs> Constantly. It won't be good, but it'll be funny. I've been bringing this loot to every show since 2017, <laughs> and I'm ready. Yeah. Taking classes. What, do you have a dream character class or, or something you'd really prefer to do? I really would love to do a dual lead where maybe it's like conjoined twins or best friends going on a quest because oftentimes like even when we do have another person there there's one person that we're focusing on I would love to do something where it's so focused on two people at the lead like they don't even know what they're they want to do I don't know I'm more into seeing what we can do than any specific character because it's all going to be made up I would have no control over the characters well that's fantastic so reminder to everybody the boys and girls club comedy night the only indoor fundraiser that group does for some reason uh, <laughs> your ticket admission goes to the boys and girls club 25 bucks this year and just a reminder everybody that the membership cost for a child to get in is $35 so you're already getting them most of the way in the door and that's one of the best things that you can do we have Colin Moulton who's going to be the headliner you guys oh crit the opener super excited about this i end every interview with the exact same question you can take this as the biggest question or the littlest question what has you excited what are you looking forward to in the future in the future i am going to say that i am really excited and looking forward to when oh crit will play at the let's say the national stadium there we go that's 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 my future that there's a goal yeah, sell out of 35,000 people to see long-form improv. I think it's attainable. I think he stole my thunder there. I have that hunger, too. I'm excited for that as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you guys for your time. Thank, thank you. Thank you.